Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Before we get to our guests, just a quick reminder. If you would like to help us out here at Cannabis Health Radio, then go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and make a donation today. It can be either a one-time donation, or if you'd like to make a monthly donation, that would be great as well. That's CannabisHealthRadio.com. And for those who have contributed so far, we thank you very much. Hundreds of millions of people around the world live with chronic pain, with more than half of all hospitalized patients experiencing pain in the last days of their lives. Our guest today is a registered nurse who has experienced pain in her life, and she now helps people understand the benefits of cannabis. And joining us from Oregon is Laurel James. Laurel, good of you to do this. Thanks very much. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. Laurel, tell us about the pain you were experiencing. What I'm exper- what I've experienced? Yes. Um, yeah, actually, no, not many people ask me about my own experience because I don't really talk about it all that much. Um, but I've had um, uh, several back injuries and spinal cord injuries. That my background is ICU nursing. And um, so anyway, there's quite a bit of trauma there. It's, anyway, I was thrown across the room. And then eventually, a couple of days later, I couldn't walk. I ended up with this spinal cord injury, had to have emergency surgery. Um, this is all before, while well, I was working at the hospital, before I was using cannabis for medicine. So I was able to make my life tolerable by, you know, spending quite a bit of time doing alternative therapies, you know, like myofascial and um, there's a stretching therapy that I did and I, I spent a ton of money. I was able to function okay. Then about, um, I think it was last November or a year ago, November, I started to take uh, a little bit of cannabis oil at night. I'd actually already started doing what I was doing. And I'm like, I don't know why you're not taking it yourself. So I started just taking a tiny bit of just THC oil at night. And I noticed right away that I slept better. Uh, but it was a more subtle transition for me. It was about a couple months later, and I decided I was going to vacuum, and I like completely vacuumed my whole house and mopped and things that I hadn't done in over four years. So that's when I realized that I was onto something, you know. So that obviously, I felt like I was doing what I was doing as a job for the right reasons, and it made my life so much better. So I was able to wean off a couple of my muscle relaxers. And then I started a few months later, about six months, I think I started juicing cannabis leaves. And that's been my most probably effective medicine because I can use it. There's no psychoactivity. You get a lot more medication, you know, when it's in the fresh plant. And I have been able to wean off of three muscle relaxers, gabapentin, my daytimes like Celebrex. Even my blood pressure medicine I'm not on anymore. I think it's because I 
um, move around more. But the, the thing is, is I can do things that I never thought I would be able to do again. You know, like I can hike again. I can clean the house. Mm-hmm. I can walk my dogs. There's things that I really thought I'd never be able to do again. And I'm, and I, of course, I still have to do my stretching and things like that. But I just juice the cannabis leaves. And sometimes I'll take some CBD oil at night. Not always. And that's pretty much all I do for my regimen. And it makes a huge difference. Do you grow your own cannabis? No. Well, I've been trying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I was able to grow quite a bit last year outside. I'm I'm learning how to grow. So I'm grateful that I have a grower, that um, a medical grower that just lets me come and get leaves once a week. Well, yeah, because you need a fair bit, don't you? Well, it's like a, a couple, a good big handful. That seems to be about all I use, and and um, I really think it makes a huge difference. If I don't, if I'm gone, like if I travel and I don't have my leaves or anything, I notice after about three days, I'll start to feel, you know, more pain again. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, unfortunately, that's the problem. They're not access to cannabis leaves aren't. Um, so easy unless you can actually grow your own plants yeah Corey and i have been taking cbd and mm-hmm. the dis- every day every day the dispensary uh, which supplies them has run out so for the last couple of weeks we've been without and i can tell you we really notice a difference at first when you take cbd and a combination of thc low thc it's very subtle. You don't know if it's working or not. Mm-hmm. But once you stop it... Once you pull the plug, holy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been whining to each other about just how we're not feeling ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not feeling that we're up to optimum speed. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's right. When you mentioned that the fact that you, you were in an RN for 20 years and you hurt your back, I hear a lot of stories, and I don't think the public is really aware of this, about nurses mm-hmm. with back issues. Oh, yes. <laughs> Especially in that line of work, because people are just not predictable when they're, you know, well, it's not their fault. Most of the time it's because we've drugged them, you know, and tied them down and things. So just people aren't predictable and you get a lot of opiate and alcohol withdrawal and things like that. And, and so, you know, the first is someone just absolutely fell while I was helping him get up. You know, it was just like one little injury after another. But, yeah, I know a lot of nurses that are pretty beat up. Yeah. When you started taking cannabis oil, what led you to cannabis oil? Were you just fed up with being on medications? Well, I had decided I wanted to do cannabis nursing. I've been had been a cannabis caregiver for a friend of mine who's been off of his Vicodin for many years. And so he was a reason why I wanted to use it. Although working in the hospital setting, it well it really wasn't appropriate for me to, you know, use cannabis as even as medicine at the time. So when I started my own business, I decided well I should why am I not using it? So, and I and that's why I decided to, and it and it made a huge difference, you know. So because I'm trying to be a cannabis nurse, and I shouldn't be out there taking a bunch of medications, <laughs> and when I can use cannabis. So, for me, it was just finding the right regimen so I could, you know, work during the day and sleep at night and that type of thing. But I've been taking a lot more CBD, and I really 
realized that I missed a lot of that when I was, you know, for a while there wasn't a lot of that around. It's more of the THC oil, but it's becoming more prevalent. Although in Oregon, we can't get any oil in the dispensaries right now either. So, Oh, why is that? Well, they, when they switched over to OLCC, switch, they, so all the dispensaries switched over to the recreational licenses on January 1st. I mean, they didn't have to, but the ones that even weren't going to realize that they would go broke if they didn't have the license. Well, the problem is, is they also have changed all the testing prices and parameters for processors. So they all have, you know, new licenses. So right now we have processors that are waiting to be inspected because there's not enough people. There's a rumor that they're lagging on it because of this whole Trump federal you know, thing that they're talking about that 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 might be a that's a rumor that I heard. I don't know anything for sure, but I do know processors have been waiting weeks for them to get inspected so they can get their products back out there. When you started taking cannabis oil initially, was it in November of 2016 or 2015? It was 2015, and then I took it for I took it for a while, and then I was doing that and juicing, and then I. Um, running your own business sometimes i financially couldn't afford the oil Mm -hmm. so i stopped using it but at the time i had plants that i was growing so i had leaves for the summer and i just used leaves for about six months and now just recently in the last month or so i've started using oil again at night just because i now have access to it more you know so um, by being able to get trim and things like that and get it made are you still on any pharmaceutical medications? Well, I'm only on uh, my cholesterol medication, and I'm still on my dep- antidepressant only because I just haven't gotten the guts to try to wean that one off yet, you know, but I'm off of, I was on um, baclofen, I was on hydrocodone, I was on gabapentin, I was on flexerol, and those are things I took every night. And then I also took a pain medicine during the day. I was on blood pressure medicine. I was on metformin for a while just because of my body type, I guess, you know. But um, I'm off of all those medications now, so I'm just taking two. How difficult was it to wean off them? It wasn't hard. I just decided, you know, do I really need this? I'll just take half of it. You know, I mean, one thing I do know is that you don't want to... I wasn't taking anything that was real. I didn't take enough hydrocodone for it to make a huge difference, you know, for withdrawal. I only took like one a day. And um, so the medications I was taking didn't need to have, you know, a long withdrawal time. Um, But I just would start taking a half of one instead of a whole one. And then I'm like, well, I don't need that anymore. You know, I like just taking two of the pills instead of three. And I just weaned myself down that way. And I was like, I'll just not take it and see, do I need it? And I'll wait a couple days. And and then usually I don't need, I'm not thinking about the medication. So I just don't get it reordered. How do people, the, your, your fellow nursing colleagues, feel about the use of cannabis? Well, a lot of them are uh, afraid to say anything about it. They're really afraid of, you know, the environment, our medical community, and things like that. It's definitely a... People don't... They don't want to talk about it, but then they also realize that 
they need to learn about it. You know, I've, I slowly am educating nurses. It's the doctors that I'm finding are are real hard to educate. But even my doctor himself, who was against everything, when I said, hey, I'm going to be a nurse and help people and I'm going to take oil. And he was just like flabbergasted. But then every time I went to see him for an adjustment or something, I was off less medication. And now he just he's recommended me and his pe- his people in his practice recommend me. And it's only because I had to show him. And it, that's kind of how we have to educate the physicians in in this area because we're very far behind we have the the medical cannabis laws but we don't have any physician support at all yeah, we interviewed a gentleman in the uk yesterday who was talking to his oncologist he was given three months to live with cancer mm-hmm. lung cancer and he started taking cannabis oil lost a total of i think about 140 pounds and his tumor is dormant and when he told the oncologist what he was doing, the oncologist just put her hands over her ears and didn't want to hear about it. Mm-hmm. And I think we hear a number of stories like that. But we also hear stories of people who were given a death sentence by their doctor or their oncologist and started taking cannabis, recovered, and the oncologist became extremely interested in what they were doing. And my co-host here, Corey Yellen, is a perfect example of that, who her oncologist put uh, her, his hands over his ears and says, la, 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 don't want to hear about it. Yeah, my GP, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and and uh, then when Corey was uh, alive and well, when she was supposed to be dead five years ago with anal canal cancer, he's interested in it now. And it's a very, very slow process. Would you agree, Laurel? I do. Yeah. For Luckily, we do have most of our oncologists in the area are pretty open to medical cannabis. There's a couple that aren't, but for the most part, at least we have the oncologists on our side. <laughs> so I haven't heard a whole lot of problems with that. It's a lot of it's more of the um, people that are trying to take get off of their pain medications and they want their doctors to support them, you know, and and help them. And then they just they just don't have the education. You know, it's not it's not their fault in a way because they were never taught anything in school. But on the other hand, this is something that their patients are asking them about on a daily basis. So they should get some education, you know, and learn about it so they can at least give them the right answers or at least like my neurologist says, I don't know anything about it. And I'll, I'll just say that, you know, she's at least she's smart enough and to just be honest yeah. and tell people, I don't know. So, you know, I'm not going to tell you one way or the other. So, but a lot of doctors just are like, no, if you use cannabis, you can't have any more of your medication or I won't be your doctor anymore. I've heard that a lot, too. Laurel, on your website, rnforchangenow.com, you indicate that you've completed the Medical Cannabis Institute's Clinical Cannabinoid Medicine Curriculum, which is a mouthful, uh, accredited by the AMA, the American American Medical Association. Can you tell us something about that? Yeah, so when I they didn't really have the nurses certification, and because of my background in ICU, I looked through and that and that was one of the most reputable programs. So I thought I wanted to have a certification, but I wanted to learn it from the from the chemistry piece up. That's why I took the curriculum, and it's very informative. And I tell other physicians, I'm like, you should take it. You'll learn so much about the endocannabinoid system and how you know and how cannabis works. And it talks about a lot of, you know, 
dosages and things like that, too. So I highly recommend it. It's still one of the very top programs in the country. And they also now they're, they've added the American Cannabis Nurse Association uh, curriculum, too. So there's more for nurses out there now than there was. It's been about a year and a half since I took the program. Also on your website, you say, although cannabis is showing to, uh, to be safe and effective for pain, cancer, and many other conditions, it is still a medication and is shown to have some interactions with traditional medications. Talk about uh, that for people who may be listening who may be taking cannabis as well as some of the traditional medications. Right. So when I mean side effects, it's really not a lot. If you take Coumadin, you know, it might increase your blood thinning time. Um, there's not a whole lot of real interactions, but the but the concern is that how they interact with their medications, like if they're going to make them drowsy, if they're going to make them, um, you know, how, how they're going to end up reacting that way. So, and actually I'm thinking that's, I'm working on cha- probably changing that verbiage a little bit because... Um, so intera- interaction sense. may not be the correct term. It may be just how it affects traditional medications. I- I'm not right. Sure. What I really mean is that a lot of people don't understand the difference between um, opiates and cannabis and how they work. And in, in general, um, they can actually you can use less of both because they work on similar receptors. And so. I want to point out that people can take them, but it is important to know what the side effects of your regular medications are and see if they enter. I do run everybody's medications through a program that tests them with cannabis, you know, and to see if there's any interactions. And there's usually not many. Every once in a while, you'll come up with something, but there, it's usually just, and because 90% of the people I work with are on like the, 20 percent you know to one cbd to one percent they're on really high cbd ratios they don't really have those concerns so much but one thing i do notice is that a lot of people are taking medications that don't belong together um so that's one of the things i do is look at their all of their information it's you know i've got people taking because there's more than one doctor involved the pharmacists aren't catching it so i'm seeing things like that Tell me some of the people that you, you work with and some of the medications they're on and how they've weaned themselves off them. Well, I have a one patient that I've worked with for a long time who was taking a ton of Dilaudid, and, and that's really strong. He was taking a ton of other medications, but he was taking something like 20 milligrams of Dilaudid a day, which is a lot of medication. And it's and he's he's been a hard case. He does grow his own cannabis. He's very, you know, has been real ill, so it's taken him a while. He's finally gotten himself on a regimen where he's cut. He hasn't cut his medications out, but he's taken them down, you know, way over less than half of what he was taking. So I think he's taking something like eight milligrams of Dilaudid a day instead of 20. And he's cut down on his muscle relaxers and his sleeping medicine. And it just has taken him a long time. But he has, he does, he has to juice the cannabis. He takes oil. He does a a few different things but um, I do find that people sometimes think that it's going to work right away and that they should you know it always works better over time so I've had a couple patients who probably would have done well but after you know they're they won't you have to give it a little bit of time 
Tell me what juicing the cannabis is like. What does it taste like? Well, I just make a smoothie out of it. So when I say juicing, I really mean blending it up um, so you just get all the fiber and everything. And then I just throw it in some water and soak the leaves for a few minutes and then make it with my like yogurt and berries and kale and carrots or whatever I have that day to put in it. And because it, it doesn't taste good, you know, you want to be careful. You don't want to make a bunch of juice ahead of time and put it in the refrigerator. You know, you want to be real careful for because you don't want any bacteria or anything to have, you know, that can happen when you have raw vegetable products is basically what it is. It's just kind of like juicing a vegetable. And, you know, because when it dries, you know, besides that it changes the formula from an acid to like THC or CBD, about 90% of those cannabinoids dissolve in that process. You know, a lot of people would need a lot of THC, not always usually, but if they have a certain cancer or something, but they can't tolerate the high, it's a really good way to take quite a bit of THC. I've heard that if you put a carrot in with your marijuana leaves, that uh, it kind of dulls the taste and makes it more palatable. Well, maybe so, because I do use carrots. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I put berries and stuff in there, too. So Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it sounds great. We have an interview coming up uh, next week with Dr. William Courtney. Who- exactly. I was just going to say he's the person that I, uh, you know, it's his information that I recommend to people. Yeah, he has. Uh, he's now in. He was in California, but he's now in Dominica or Dominica. I had a chat with him the other day, and he's going to do an interview with us. And what he is going to determine is he wants to find a test in which can, uh, which the cannabinoid system can be measured, like a fuel tank. Are you low? your cannabinoids or are you high in your cannabinoids do you need to top up things like that because there isn't a test now for that and i think that's a great idea yes and it's actually that's kind of funny a friend of mine or a person that i work with actually had um it was not ancestry dna but it was the 24 site anyway there's a some way she got all of this stuff analyzed and it and the guy that does all the analyzing it, it came right up that she had an in, inactive um, endocannabinoid system it was the first time i'd seen anything like that you know so and it tried to explain her symptoms with the endocannabinoid system um which is pretty interesting because i'm like well that's new (laughs) and it's just on the same concept i think yeah absolutely laurel tell us a bit about uh, your business so i um my focus is education i noticed you know the dispensaries were open for a couple years and i was in and out trying to get stuff for my person i take care of i noticed that the education you know there's a lot to focus on if you're working in a dispensary already so knowing what ailments people what works for ailments and also the fact that they're not trained to look at people and see how sick they are or if they're even paying attention because they're so sick and anyway and also then i'd have a couple people tell me some bad instructions they got from dispensaries where they had way too much thc and they didn't want to ever take it again so i asked around locally i'm like what do you think about a nurse doing this and then i investigated and realized that there's nurses all over in dispensaries back east in the Midwest, and we're just extremely behind. And 
so I decided I'm just going to start helping people, and I wanted to teach classes. Um, I made my cannabis dosing poster because there was I couldn't see anything that was a logical teaching tool for anyone to really look at and figure things out. And I so I actually had meetings with all of the dispensaries around here and said, "What do you want on this? What do you want on this poster? You know, what what do people ask you? What do you want to know?" And then I did the research on it after you know I got all the information. So it's kind of a a co-effort, you know, from dispensaries to kind of get the education out there. And then I started, I do a lot of education. My my goal, I try to do, I do a lot of free classes for seniors and cancer groups. I do a couple free classes a month. And then I do regular classes too. So um, unfortunately, I need to pay my bills, so I can't do everything for free, although I would like to. But that is my goal, is to be able to get my consulting and poster business up enough where I can offer all my edu- classes for free. I'm not out here to make it rich. I just want to pay my bills, which aren't all that much. So, you know, I'm not here to try to make a big, huge mark and, and you know, and make a ton of money because I'm not formatted that way. But I would like to be able to support myself and do a lot more free things for people because that's what people need. You know, I my focus is on micro dosing and things because I want the people that go in the dispensaries to not get a bad experience. You know, because if they do have a bad experience, they'll never use it again. And that's, you know, one of my main things that I'm trying to focus on. So that's why I do a lot of talks for seniors, you know, because they're curious. Now that it's legal, they're in Oregon, they're coming out. And even though they could have gotten it medically for years, some people will never come out if it's not legal. No, that's absolutely right. And the seniors are the ones, the baby boomers, those people who went through the era of sex, drugs, and rock and roll are starting to feel... Uh, they're starting to feel the roll right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, and cannabis isn't the same as it used to be when no. they were using it. Have, have you worked with uh, children at all? I have had a couple kids um, with some pretty interesting things, and I, I've, I've got quite a few 19, 20-year-olds, that age group, you know, with like brain trauma, um, accidents, you know, paraplegics, that type of thing. I'm just starting to get a couple autism kids and things like that. So I have been working with kids. They make me, you know, even as a nurse in the hospital, I didn't like to work with kids. It made me uncomfortable. So, <laughs> but they, they, I've seen, you know, because there's so much they can do without actually getting the, getting high from it. I've had quite a few good results from tinctures and things for kids. Laurel, it was great of you to do this. We appreciate it, and uh, good luck with your work, and uh, all the best in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for um, thinking of me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, it was nice meeting you, too. That's it, another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. One of the things that one of the listeners mentioned that we should tell people, you can subscribe to Cannabis Health Radio on iTunes. It's very important. And if you'd like to advertise on our website or if you'd like to be a sponsor and sponsor our podcast, send us an email at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thanks very much for listening, everyone, no matter where you are in the world. 
You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one talk at a time.